is Waffle On Podcast. And welcome to this edition of Waffle On Podcast. I'm Simon Meddings. And I'm Mick Kelly. Mick Kelly, what, like a, MC, a burger? MC, oh. innit? I could be MC, or I could be Scottish. I could yeah, be down, but... I could be from the hood, or I could be <laughs> from the high, high, Highlands. Whatever you want. <laughs> People might think you're that shitty director, Mick G. Mick G, yeah, he's terrible, he's. Uh, so, so really what you're saying is you want to be known as a crappy director, or a burger, or someone from Scotland? Yeah. Either way, right. Great choice. <laughs> uh, now, on this episode, we finally get round to talking about Rick Mail and Adrian Edmondson. Uh, some of you might be wondering why we sound slightly different. Uh, some of you might not even care. Uh, we are we are recording via Skype uh, because uh, why's why's the reason, Mister K? Because our lives are just full up at the moment. <laughs> and this is a, I nearly said something else then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going I'm to use the word full up. Full up, it's well. I like it. It's a, a good, uh, a good analogy. Uh, yes. Well, you're, you've got all your wedding plans, which is uh, by this. By the time this podcast comes out, um, you'll you'll be in Mexico. I will. And that's so, congratulations. Thank you. And the sword of Damocles will no longer be over my head. No, it won't indeed. That's a very good uh, Rocky Horror reference there, which I should point out. There's a few Rocky Horror references throughout this podcast. I didn't even know, see, see me and you, see, linked. <laughs> uh, so, uh, before we uh, crack on, uh, so to speak, uh, what do we always do? You play the theme tunes. Okay, now that was the theme tune to the end credits of Bottom, which I, I think we both agree is Vic Mar and Adrian Emerson's best work. I'd say, I, I think as a, um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, if you look at the amount of the deed compared to, yeah, probably, yeah. As we, as we go on, I might, I might uh, disagree with that, but not at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, the reason why I chose the bottom end credits theme tune is, is purely for the fact it's actually uh, one of the best theme tunes on their programmes, you know. I think, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. But I was just thinking about all the others and I was thinking there's only one that's really, really famous, isn't there? Yeah, really. I mean, we, I mean, I mean the, the bottom end credits you play by the bum notes, that is. But, I mean, we're going to play, uh, every time we mention a TV programme later on that they've done together, we will play uh, the theme tune to it or something from it. And, um, and there's going to be, obviously, a song at the end, which I'll mention later on. So let's talk about Big Mail. Uh, Cal, obviously, jump in whenever you want. Uh, being that we're not actually sitting next to each other, you 
you may just have to go shout at me or something. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. No worries. Okay, so big male, birth name Richard Michael Mayle, born on the 7th of March 1958 in Harlow in Essex. Now, Mayle, the second of four children, uh, was um, uh, his parents uh, were drama, uh, the drama teachers. Uh, they soon moved to Droitwich Spa in Worcestershire, which of course is only just up the road from me, literally. Five minutes away, and they have a very nice Waitrose there. Oh, I, 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 I say there's many, but there's probably many listeners around the world who've got no idea what you're talking. What a Waitrose is? No, it's a, it's a, a high end supermarket um, which uh, does very good beers and very good chocolate. Really, it's the uh, the John Lewis uh, franchise. Very nice place to go. Um, that's about all that's in Droitwich Spa, apart from, obviously, a spa. Spa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, he spent the rest of his childhood in Droitwich Spa and also attended King's School Worcester. Uh, he then went and moved up to the University of Manchester in 1976, where, of course, he became friends with Adrian Edmondson, Ben Alton and Lise Mayer, with whom he would later write The Young Ones. Now, Mayle's television appearances first came about with, as Kevin Turvey in the 1977 uh, documentary, and this, of course, as well, became Behind the Green Door broadcast in 1982. Uh, Cal, are you a fan of Kevin Turvey? Well, well, it, well interestingly, that's where I first got my interest in poetry was Kevin Turvey. Because, uh, you know, at school we sort of did, you know, there was Pam Ayres, wasn't that around at the time? And I always found it really, really boring. And then you mm. saw Kevin Turvey, and I just loved the way he had this, he, these way, he had these silly little... Silly little poems that were re- that were real, and I thought, oh, you don't have to be really intellectual to write a poem. And that was the first mm. time I'd ever saw a poem that wasn't like intellectual, that wasn't Wordsworth or wasn't yeah. Jim Carroll or anything like that. It, it was about everyday uh, mundane things, and that's why I, I, I'd say I think it's very dated now, and the humour's not so great. But uh, it'll always have a piece of me that really likes that, just because it got me interested in poetry. Would you say? Would you say later on, Craig Charles um, was a bit, a bit similar to it? Very, I was going to say very much as, uh, of that working class poet because uh, you know Rick in the young I know we're going to go on to the young ones was mm-hmm. sort of Kevin Turvey without being Kevin Turvey wasn't he? He yeah. was the people's poet wasn't he? Where Kevin Turvey was the people's poet. Mm. And because Kevin Turvey had a weird accent as well, which was <laughs> it was a bit brummy and but it weren't brummy. I don't know what accent it was meant to be. Yeah, I don't. Well, Mick Mail's always kind of like done that. A lot of people actually thought that uh, Mail was from um, uh, Birmingham or um, uh, Wolverhampton, but of course, obviously, he was raised in Droitwich Spa. But he's obviously close, uh, close connections to uh, the Midlands. He would have would have obviously been in a Birmingham an awful lot. Now, in 1982, uh, Rick Mail appeared uh, in a very small role in one of your favourite horror films. He was in the American Way of London, wasn't he? He was. He was in the uh, the pub scene. He was in the. Uh, Slaughtered lamb, yeah. The slaughtered lamb doing the um, how was it called? The Alamo joke, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the Alamo. And he doesn't say anything in it, I don't believe. He just kind of like he's playing chess. Well, in that just... scene, in that slaughtered lamb, there's some amazing actors in that scene, isn't there? Well, yeah, of course. You've got I mean, Brian Glover. Yeah. You've got Moxie out of a thing the same pet, which was his name, Fairbrass, is it? Uh, no. Um, it's not like that, isn't it? Don't know. Carry on. Anyway. Craig, yeah. uh, Chris. Fairbanks. Fairbanks, yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, it's an amazing scene, that is, isn't it? To me, I think that's the most famous scene in that in that film. It only lasts for about five minutes, doesn't it? But it's the bit that everyone always quotes out of American Way of London, is that, yeah. isn't it? Remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Even though that, I don't know what it means. 
That and the naked scene with what's the name, and also the uh, zombie, the zombie Nazi coming out the curtains. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. That's a podcast in the future. Oh, it is indeed. I've already got the picture sorted out for the website. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, also in uh, in that year, he appeared as Rest Home Ricky in Richard O'Brien's uh, Shock Treatment, the sequel to the Rocky Horror Show. He played Denton Vale's resident attendant as the love interest in Al Campbell's nurse. Um, now, I really don't like Shock Treatment. Um, no, and, and there's people who absolutely love it, and it's, it's yeah. terrible. Yeah, I think the trouble is because I was such a huge fan of Rocky, um, uh, you know, you, you kind of have those characters embedded into your mind. And it's great to see Richard O'Brien, uh, sorry, it's great to see uh, Rick Marlin, it was great to see Richard O'Brien as well. But it's just, I don't know, there's, there's something very 80s. It's a bit as I, it's a bit Templar Doomish. do you know what I mean? Exactly, you can tell. Exactly what you mean, tell. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, there's some great, um, there's some, there is some great songs in there. And maybe I'd appreciate it a little bit more now, now that I'm a bit older and I, I you know. I, the, you know, the previous. The, the film before it is so great. It's just, it was never onto a winner, was it? It was never going to be Rocky Horror, was it? You were never going to have, you know, shock treatment parties, was, was it? It was never no. going to happen, was it? No, not at all. And uh, anyone who's interested in uh, Rocky Horror, um, there is a waffle on about Rocky Horror on the feed. So go back and look at our uh, back catalogue and you'll find it there. Now, Mail also made a cameo appearance in the 1983 gothic horror movie, the Keep, directed by... Michael Mann. Well done, yes. No, I'm don't, going to be no, 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 you don't get me on that film. <laughs> you know, I paid 30 English pounds for an illegal copy off eBay to got that. It's one of my oh. prized DVDs. It's absolutely terrible. Has it got any neon in it? Exactly. It's the only film when it's set in the Second World War, 20 years before neon was invented, and there's still neon in it. <laughs> it is a really terrible film, and it's, it was the first big film of um, uh, Ian McKellen. Oh, really? I yeah, think he looks he, young in that, doesn't he? Yeah, but he, it's weird, because he plays a man. At the beginning, he's really, he's, he's really old at the beginning, and, he, and, then, and these, this demon makes him young again. Oh. But he looks better old than he does young. It's a really Kuro horror film. It really is. And it just goes completely over the top. Mm. And it's not Malcolm Man's fault. And I paid all that money and I watched it and thought, oh. <laughs> and you know who else looks better old than young? Who? Patrick Stewart. Yeah, because after, after seeing him at the end of that Wolverine X-Men Arvingians, I'm sorry. That was just, I mean, to be fair, he's always looked old. I mean, in Excalibur, he looked the same as he did as Picard in that, you know, when you started Star Trek The Next Generation. But, you know, why, why didn't they go back and look at Excalibur to see what a young Xavier would look like and not make him look like he'd, uh, he'd had his face done a Paul Hogan? It, yeah, it's, it's a weird because what they should have done really is got James McAvoy. Yeah, but it was made before. Exactly. So this shows you all, the, all these ideas. Oh, yeah, they've got all these films mm. planned out for years. It shows you it's a load of rubbish, isn't it? Maybe they'll do a Lucas and uh, and superimpose James McAvoy's face on him. <laughs> yeah, oh, that'd be about right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like the, that awful travesty of bloody Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, my God. Let's not get onto George Lucas, mate. We'll end up be talking about half an hour, how much we don't like George Lucas. Let's move swiftly on. Well, the thing is, yeah, okay, I actually don't mind George Lucas. I just wish he'd make a film. <laughs> not, not. Anyway, we'll, we'll leave that to the star. But we'll I, wish the have, I wish he'd retire and have liposuction on that chin. <laughs> he's yeah. His jowls are bloody jowls and half aren't the He's like a stork. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you imagine he's carrying a baby. Yeah, he's <laughs> crazy going on there. Certainly, you'd look in the mirror with all that money and think, I don't need to put up with this every day. Ah, oh, and that. Well, at least, or oh, you'd grow a beard around it. You mean like, like the classic like scarf for you? 
that we should we talk about. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, left crack on. Uh, he had started uh, Rick Mal. Uh, going back to Rick Mal, um, he had started in the final episode of Blackadder in '83 as Mad Gerald, and then he returned to play Lord Flashheart in episode uh, Blackadder Two entitled Bells. Again, go back and see Waffle on about Blackadder Two. Um, now, a descendant of this character was, of course, command, uh, Squadron Commander Flashheart in Blackadder Goes Forth, and he also reprised a character similar to that in Blackadder Back and Forth as. Robin Hood. Uh, all of those characters again. He steals the scenes. Uh, I, I, there's, there's, that, there's that really good program about like Blackadder, and they're all they're all they all love Rick Mal being in it, but they all know you're just going to be completely overshadowed. But when, when Rick Mal's in any, any of these things he's in, he's the best thing in it, and that is not being detrimental to the other actors in there. Is that you know like I did when said all, but it's just Rick Mal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and when you when you do what I mean, I know we mentioned this when we did waffle on about Blackadder too. But when he's in there and he's he's doing his scenes, you can see Stephen Fry is desperately trying to hold it in. But I think Rowan Atkinson's cracking. I mean, he really he really is gone. You know that that in the eighties, you know, even so now he's just a force of nature, Rick Mal, isn't he? You know, just a complete force of nature when he was anything. You mm. know, I, I I can't think of like an American equivalent. You know. No, I was going to say maybe Steve Martin. No, not Steve Martin. James maybe. Uh, no, what's James his name? Uh, Andy James, Kaufman. Yeah, oh, yeah, good point. Or James Belushi. Yeah, maybe James Belushi. But he was the main, but he's in anything. He wasn't, like in Animal House, he's not the main part in that, but he's the one you think of, isn't he? That's, yeah, big, a big, brash and load. But yeah, and off his face on drugs. <laughs> yeah, just completely madcap. Now, uh, Rick Mal appeared, and I remember uh, when this came out, and I was absolutely hooked, was uh, Rick's um, narration of Roald Dahl's brilliant George's Marvellous Medicine on the BBC. Uh, now, apparently, uh, there was an awful lot of complaints about this, as uh, saying that the story and, of course, the presentation was both dangerous and offensive. Now, I remember watching this, and I, I didn't even think about going raiding all the medicine cupboards, the store cupboards, and trying to make out a medicine. It's pretty Roald Dahl stories. They are truly odd. Yeah. But when you're a kid... You know they're a bit weird, but you just think they're a bit weird. You don't think well, there's anything behind it or it's going to lead on. This is his thing that, you know, that a lot of people think children are complete fools. It's mm. just a load of rubbish, isn't it? You know, kids know what is real and not real. What's oh, right yeah. and what's wrong. Children know the bet, you know, know what's right and what's wrong. There's nothing uh, wrong with a kid being scared. No, of course not. I mean, obviously, getting her to watch The Exorcist, that would be going a little bit too far. You know, oh my God, you know, the, you think of, um, you think of, uh, Grim fairy tales, mm. you know, the, the, the cannibalism, werewolves, vampires. You know, it's good to be a bit scared when you're a kid because you're pushing your boundaries. We were talking about this all the day, weren't we? It's about yeah, exactly. Pushing your boundaries, isn't it? And with fiction and non-fiction, it's a really good thing to let the kid. A kid, if you don't want to look, he won't look. No, no, exactly. over his eyes. Don't want to look then. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I found out, I mean, that's that's a good thing about people about the new series of Doctor Who. The fact that people are saying, "Oh, you know, my ch- my my kid's slightly scared of it." And you think, well, that's what Doctor Who always used to do. Yeah. Welcome to the classic series. Uh, anyway, uh, we are waffling on today, aren't we? Now, in nineteen eighty-seven, uh, Rick played fictional conservative MP Alan Beresford. The star in the sitcom The New Statesman for Yorkshire TV. This was written by Lawrence Marks and Maurice Grant. Um, now, I think this was uh, probably his best role. I agree, but it's not my favourite. But I think it's no. his, his, it is definitely his best role. I think 
I, feel a, I think it's the most well-rounded character he ever played, didn't he? That it could be good and it could be bad and it could be funny. And we, well, he weren't very nice. No. No, he weren't very nice. But, it, you know, all these other characters are pretty one-dimensional, really, aren't they? Yeah, and as, as I say, I mean, we, yeah, it's weird, actually, as we're going through this, it's, I'm suddenly realising how many times we've we've mentioned certain things that we've done before. Like, we've talked about um, the new statesman in the Waffle on talks about political satire. So go back and listen to that if you want to know more about <laughs> the new statesman. Uh, now, in 1988, he appeared in a small British film called Whoops! Apocalypse, playing the specialist catering commander. Now, that film had the cream of the crop of comedy actors in it, but he's largely forgotten. Like, like a lot of like a lot of our comedies, really, on big screen, they just don't seem to work, do they? Yeah, yeah. I know. Which is... that, you know, we can't. You know, like if you get like a big like a comedy in America, like they come from Saturday Night Live, some of them films are classics. Apart from the comic strip. Which were never big film, were never on the cinema, were they? Apart from uh, two, only two of them was super, um, super grass, and there was another. One. I think the thing is, and this is no disrespect to any American films, but a lot of American comedy films are very middle of the road, yeah. um, and especially stuff that's come from Saturday Night Live. I mean, I mentioned this on the Blues Brothers episode last um, last month that um, it's probably one of the only true successful films when you look at it as a whole that's come from Saturday Night Live. Okay, Wayne's World did, but Wayne's World, you look at Wayne's World, Wayne's World is extremely dated. And the Blues Brothers should be dated to a certain degree because it's 1980. But there's something about it. I think it's probably the music that is, you know, will always live on. Um, but our comedy is never really classified as middle of the road. And when we try to do middle of the road stuff, it is dire. It's, it is terrible, isn't it? Well, yeah. we're going to talk about that later in the guest house parody, so... Mm, yeah. Oh, and there's, there's something even worse than that in a minute, which I'm just about to read out. Now, you just mentioned Grim Tales. Now, uh, Rick Mail did uh, a few of uh, the Grim Tales, in which he narrated them, uh, with puppets acting in the stories. Oh. Yeah, so what, yeah, yeah. What year was that? Uh, that was 1989. Bloody hell. 1990. Uh, in early 1990, you might like this one, Mail starred in humorous adverts for the Nintendo games and consoles. Now, with the money from these ads, he, was, he bought his London house and called it Nintendo Towers. He lent, his, <laughs> <laughs> he lent his voice to the PlayStation and Windows PC video game, Hogs of War. Oh, that's quite interesting. Eh? I know, yeah. Uh, there's another game uh, reference a little bit later on, but that's with Adrian Everson. Now, in the early 1990s, he auditioned to play Banzai Zazu and Timon in The Lion King. Unfortunately, that role of uh, Zazu went to Rowan Atkinson. Uh, Mail starred alongside Phoebe Cates in 1991's Drop Dead Fred. Oh, terrible. Awful film. It's just, yeah, because I remember when he, that... And he does his best as well. I was really excited. I thought, oh, Rick Mail's finally going to make it into America. And it just... It, the, his role was okay in it. Mm. But it just didn't work, did it? It just didn't work. No. It's so he... madness. And the others are all trying to be funny. And he's naturally funny. I don't know, it just didn't work. There's it's, been loads of stuff like that, Alex. Yeah, it's a little bit like what we were saying to um, uh, to Ian, Ian Todd on, uh, on when we did our Untrues interview. Uh, go check that out, Untrues with Ian Todd. Uh, me and uh, Kel, I oh, interviewed on it. Uh, we were talking about uh, Vic and Bob, that um, you know, th- there's no point trying to compete with them because you're never going to be able to do it. Okay. And I think that's, that's what happens in Drop Dead Fred. They're trying to compete with him. Or even try and keep up with him, and it really doesn't work. It falls flat on its face, and uh, it's, it is terrible. But not as terrible as this next next film. 
Uh, I mentioned to you that uh, if Britain makes a middle-of-the-road film, it is disastrous. And it doesn't get more disastrous than Carry On Columbus. Oh. Do you know, I, I'll be honest, that is, it is terrible. And, and that's not holding your high because there's been some terrible Carry On films, but there's no doubt it's the worst one. It's even worse than Carry On England. And or Carry On Emmanuel. That's, oh, no, that is... Yeah, but at least Carry On Emmanuel's got some hot women in it. For when it comes down to it, that Carry On Columbus, the only, you know, the only person I don't mind in that is Julian Clary. Because he plays well, Julian Clary. He plays Julian Clary, but, you know, like Alan Dale and... Not Alan Dale, is he? <laughs> Jim Dale. Uh, Jim, Alan, Alan Dale from Neighbours. Uh, yeah, it's not about his hair. It's Jim Dale, isn't it? It's like, people have dug him up from, because he hadn't been on TV for... And then also, then, he's never been back again, has he? No, well, no, because, I mean, he's a, he, he does all West End America, doesn't he? He's most well known in America for narrating the Harry Potter books, as uh, Stephen Freud does our ones, and uh, Jim Dale does those. But what's disturbing about Carry On Columbus is Jim Dale, uh, in that, the, his love interest, uh, the, the blonde girl, whose name I, I don't know, that's actually his son's wife, or son's girlfriend at the time, I don't know if they got married. That's just disturbing. It's just a really ill-judged film, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, but again, you look at the cast in it and you think it should work. Alexis Sales in it, Rick Miles in it, you know, uh, G- you know, Jim Dale should be able to pull it off, but it just, it just doesn't, doesn't work it's at all. It's a strange thing to make a carry on film about as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mal was um, pretty prolific in the 90s. He uh, provided the voice of the character Froglip, uh, the leader of the Goblins, in the 92 animated film adaption of the 1872 children's tale The Princess and the Goblin. In 93, he appeared in Rick Mail Presents, three individual comedy dramas. Uh, now, Mail won uh, a Best Comedy Performer Award for those, uh, and there was another three later on. Now, these were, and I'll just read these out because I thought these were brilliant, but actually only one of them sticks out and that's Dancing Queen uh, in which he starred alongside Helena Bonham Carter and Martin Clunes do you remember that one? Is that the one with the is that the, the stag- Bachelor Party yeah the stag yeah. do or the Bachelor Party yeah or the stag do <laughs> yeah and that's, that's really stuck him in because it was really funny but it was it was quite poignant wasn't it towards the end yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Acting was brilliant in that, wasn't it, Rick Mayo? That's so what that was a thought, brilliant. That was a first, yeah, I mean, that, that was the first time I ever thought, he, this guy can act. Yeah, you know, know he's, 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 what's, what's the other two? You're right, the, when you think about it, I remember, we remember talking about that, the lows, but I can't remember the other oh, two. Oh, yeah. Well, we watched them, if you remember. So. Um, the others were Briefest Encounter with Amanda Donahue, Mickey Love, which also starred uh, Nick Hancock, and that's the other famous one, and Horse Opera, which starred Gene DeBellman and Edward Tudor Pole. Now, this is a rocky fact here, that Gene DeBellman and Edward Tudor Pole also starred with Adrian Edmondson in the Rocky Horror play that went out in 1990. Um, actually, if you look at that, you can find that on YouTube. And I found it earlier on when I was just making sure it was Gina Bellman. And there's a there's a, uh, a YouTube clip of Richard O'Brien playing Frankenfurter because uh, Tim McKinnery was ill on the day. So check it out. Uh, another three was made in '95. Those were Claire Deleuze, also starring Lee Evans. Dirty Old Town play uh, also starred Francis Barber. A lot of people will know her from uh, Red Dwarf. And, of course, the latest series of Doctor Who. Uh, she plays the Eyepatch Lady. And the big one, which also starred, again, Edward Tudor Paul and Phil Daniels. Bloody hell. <laughs> that, 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 that's really mad. I can't remember any of them, apart from the, you know, the stag one. It's really mad. I know. Uh, now, in, uh, in 1991, he appeared in How to Be a Little Sod. And then in 95, he starred in a production of a play called Cellmates alongside Stephen Fry. Uh, this was the play in which uh, Stephen Fry had a nervous bell, a nervous breakdown. Oh, yeah. And that... fled to Belgium. 
Uh, this didn't go down too well with uh, Rick Mayle, and uh, he was pretty angry about it because the play had to close, and uh, obviously Rick Mayle was put out of work. In 2007, Rick Mayle said of the incident, uh, apologies about here, I'm going to use a swear word in a minute, but I'm just quoting. Rick Mayle said, you don't leave the trenches, self initiative is one thing, being a cunt is another, but I mustn't start that war again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apparently they have, they have made up over that, and there's, there's, there's no hard feelings. Um, on the 9th of April 1998, uh, Mayle was injured after crashing a quad bike near his home in Devon. Mayle's daughter Bonnie and her cousin had asked him to take them for a ride on the bike, a Christmas gift from his wife, but he refused due to the rain and went out alone. Mayle's wife Barbara looked out the window and saw him lying on the ground with the bike, believing he was joking. He ended up in a coma for several days. Several days. Uh, he was airlifted to Plymouth uh, Derryford Hospital with two hematomas and a fractured skull, which is actually pretty bad. Um, during the following 96 hours, Mayo was kept sedated to prevent movement, which could cause more pressure on his brain. His family were warned that he could die, die or have a brain damage. Uh, after five days, the doctors felt it's safe to bring him back out of his consciousness, and in his 2002 crap biography, and in the Easter spoof, it's bloody awful, uh, Mal claims he rose from the dead, and this is the reason why he's better than Jesus. <laughs> it's awesome. Because I just like that, that, that the first words he said was uh, when he saw that, because Ad- 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 went there, didn't he? He stood oh. with him, was a, uh, you bastard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, he's still really mad. He's been in a coma, and the first thing you think of is to call him a bastard. Exactly. It's pretty it's like, like, I think Ozzy had the same thing happen to him, didn't he? Yes, yeah. Because they are dangerous, man. They really are, aren't they? They're really dangerous things, them quads. Mm, especially when you drive them. I know, I know, but, you know, that could have been me as I could have been the triple. But I was wearing a helmet, though, that's why. Yes. You weren't wearing a helmet, was he? No, no, and that's, that's, that's the danger of it, isn't it, really? You should always wear a helmet to him. Uh, now, during Mayo's hospitalisation, the comic strip special Four Men in a Car was broadcast for the first time. The film involves Mayo's character being hit by a car. Mayo believed he was held hostage at the hospital after transfer to um, the London one. He took a taxi home but was then taken back the day after being sedated. Uh, he was to take medication for a year to prevent epileptic seizures. He did stop taking these and had an epileptic seizure. Uh, during one, he bit through his tongue and he's now on medication for life. Uh, he returned to work with voiceover work, and his first post-accident job was in 1998's episode of Jonathan Creek, which is a, uh, a Christmas special. Uh, Edmondson has joked about the event on stage, uh, especially in the bottom ones, and Edmondson quipped, if only I'd fix those brakes properly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the pair wrote the first draft of their feature film, Guesthouse Paradiso, while Mal was hospitalised, and they planned to co-direct, but Edmondson took over the duties himself because Rick was too ill. Uh, in 2000, Mal appeared in a video production of Jesus Christ Superstar as King Herod. He was brilliant in that, I must admit. Oh. Um, he was also cast and filmed the role of Peeves, who's a ghost, uh, in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Um, unfortunately, this was actually cut out, and the uh, footage has never been seen. Uh, no idea why as well. Maybe it'll turn up on the Blu-rays. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, we're now up to date here. So on March the 5th, 2011, Mal appeared on Let's Dance for Comic Relief, in which he came on stage and attacked Adrian Menson oh, with a flying pan during performance of the Dying Swan Ballet. Edmund mentioned backstage that it was the first time in eight years they'd done something like that together and claimed Mal had left him, <laughs> left his head with a small bump. Yeah, he uh, smacked him, didn't he? 
Oh, God, he didn't have here. Uh, in April 2011, Mayan again revived the character of Alan Bastard to make an appearance in a satirical television advertisement for the No to AV campaign prior to the 2011 voting reform referendum in the UK. The character is shown being unfairly elected under the alternative vote system, uh, then using his newly gained position of power to regain on his campaign promises. In his personal life, Rick Mayer does not support the alternative vote. In May of the same year, Mayer became the eponymous Bombardier in a TV advertising campaign for Bombardier Bitter in the UK. This is arguably, without a shadow of a doubt, Lord Flashheart. It is Lord Flash. It just really is, isn't it? Oh, yeah, what, Why someone's not done a see? I know it, oh, it, it, it's not one of these things you've talked about. He's just too old now for TV, and it's disgraceful, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, a little bit about his personal life. We won't, we won't go into too much detail because we've been to things, but uh, this is a bit... <laughs> It's a bit of a shit here, but uh, uh, in, since 1985, Mal has been married to Scottish makeup artist Barbara Robin, with whom he has three children, uh, Rosie, Sydney, and Bonnie. The couple met in 1981 while filming a kick-up the 80s. At the time, Mal was in a long-term relationship with Lise Mayer. Mal and Robin embarked on a secret affair, which lasted until 1985. Mal and Robin immediately eloped to Barbados, and Mayer would later suffer a miscarriage. Mal maintains that despite a long-standing feud, he and Mayer are now friends. Uh, poor old Lise Mayer has not had much luck because she, her partner is Angus Deaton. <laughs> I know, bloody hell. Poor bum. So that's Rick Mayer, uh, not doing too bad there. That was uh, around about, we spent something like 30 minutes talking about Rick Mayer. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Adrian, Adrian Charles Edmondson, born 24th of January 1957 in Bradford, which of course is in Yorkshire. Um Edmondson uh, spent uh, a lot of his time in different places, including Cyprus, Bahrain and Uganda, where his father was a teacher in the armed forces. Uh, later, for a period in the mid-1980s, his father became the deputy headmaster at the former Drummond Middle School in Manningford, Bradford. Uh, Edmondson attended Pocklington School in Yorkshire from 68 to 75, and of course later went on to University of Manchester to study drama, receiving a 2-1 degree. On the 11th of May 1985, Edmondson married uh, comic strip fellow Jennifer Saunders, and he has three daughters with her. Um, I mean, they've been married for years now. Uh, interesting a little thing here is Edmondson's university nickname of Eddie Monsoon uh, would later uh, be used in Absolutely Fabulous. Oh, but I'm, I'm, like I said, I was never a massive fan of uh, you know, Absolutely Fabulous, but that's quite interesting. Though. And uh, they've got a Christmas special coming on this year, haven't they? Yeah, it's just to keep you know, flogging a dead horse, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's at its mm. time, hasn't it? No, as you say, I've, n- I've never really been a big fan, so it's not... I think it's... Ge- it's hard, I don't know it's quite a sexist thing to say, but it's generally a lot of women like that, don't they? Because I like the roles of them too, don't they? Being drunk and stuff, don't they? Yeah, generally. Uh, in 1986, I don't know if you remember this, but I had this book, and I also had the computer game for the Amstrad. So you're going to say, hey, oh. to be a complete bastard? Yes, I am. Uh, I, mean, I had the, exactly um, the calendar for Christmas one year. <laughs> Brilliant. It was really good. It was weird because he had the hair of Vivian in it, but he dressed in a suit. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know what all that was. Uh, in 88, he released a follow-up to How to Be a Complete Bastard called The Bastard's Book of the Worst. And in 1989, Edmondson made the appearance in an episode of Blackadder Go Forth as the Red Baron, the arch-nemesis to male's character Lord Flashheart. Edmondson played, as we mentioned earlier on, Brad Majors in the Rocky Horror Show alongside Tim McKinley and Edward Chew de in 93, Edmondson started alongside Richard Bryars in a black comedy called If You See God, Tell Him. Edmondson played Gordon Spry, whose uncle, which is played by Bryars, is paralysed and has greatly reduced attention span. His erratic behaviour causes problems for Gordon. The series comprised four episodes, each 45 minutes long and only broadcast once. 
the BBC has not repeated the series, no surprise, although one episode was broadcast on BBC4 on the 3rd of December 2007. Um, I don't remember that. Don't remember it all, no. Uh, no. uh, in September 95, Edmondson released his first comic novel, The Gobbler. The same year, he voiced the animal in an advertising character for British snack Pepper Rami, which is still going now. Yeah, yeah, it is, and he's doing his Vivian voice in it, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, in 96, he played the role of Ace Fellow Bellboy at the Who's uh, performance of Quadrophenia at London's Hyde Park. Oh. A video game called Animal featured the Pepperoni, Pepperoni was released in the same year, uh, which is weird, let's face it. Um, in 87 to 98, he voiced Endrin Stoker-Jones, a major character in the animated series Captain Star. Uh, again, no idea what that is. I've never heard of this. <laughs> No, uh, but 97-98, we were drunken off a lot. Yeah, this is true. This is uh, on the piss theory, isn't it? <laughs> uh, in the 1998 ITV pantomime Jack and the Beanstalk, Edmondson played Dame Dolly. Now, I do remember this. Alongside Neil Morrissey, Denise Van Outen, Paul Merton, Julian Clary and Julie Walters. The show was broadcast on the 25th of December on ITV. Uh, Edmondson appears regularly in Series 4 of the BBC mystery series, Jonathan Creek. Uh, that's another connection there to Rick Mal. I, well, I, I never watched that, you know. I, I know it, but I never watched it. No, I, I never really watched it. Again, though, it was on a Saturday. Yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> uh, he had a lead role playing an NHS doctor in the comedy series Doctors and Nurses, first broadcast in 2004. In Surviving Disaster, a BBC docudrama about the 1986 Chernobyl disaster broadcast at the start of 2006, Evanson played the role of Dr. Valery Legosov, uh, which I do remember, but... Um, Strange enough, I didn't remember him being in it. No. <laughs> Poor old aid, we're not doing too well with him. Well, this is the thing, isn't it, really? That yeah. yeah. Well, it's, the, it's the truth, isn't it? Because the right that, you know, is a better writer. Yeah. He wasn't a better performer, was he? Well, I think it's just that Edmondson, I think, feels he's more of an actor, as I think Whitmail's more of a... He's a walking ego, isn't he? Yeah. If Really, as Edmondson's a little bit more, well, self calming and self-detrimental I suppose. Yeah. Um, in 2005 Edmondson appeared as a celebrity model and star portrait with the king of artists Rolf Harris. Uh, from 2005 to 2008 he appeared as Percy Abra Durant in the medical drama Holby City. Uh, in 2008 he played Henry Austin in the BBC production of Miss Austin Regrets and from 2008 onwards he has played Vernon in the ITV sitcom Teenage Kicks which was crap um, in April 2009 he appeared in the cooking show Hell's Kitchen where he reached the final coming second to Linda, Linda Evans uh, that's the one where he nearly punched out that stotty kid from uh, oh, that, that, oh yeah that, uh, that scouse one whatever his name yeah, is yeah and he really did deserve a kick in without a shadow of a doubt to make sure that they've got to me end off <laughs> wanker. He's a wanker. We shouldn't have done it. He's Marco Waterway. But I was lied to. You took the decision to okay. control things Be and quiet. take leadership. That's Be quiet, fine. please. No, you asked. You asked. Jodie, no one to zip it. Sorry? Zip it. Just zip it. <laughs> That's not very polite, is it? Don't look at me like that. Well, I, think you're a, I think you're a tosser. Why? I think that's the wrong thing to do. I think well, it's the wrong decision. There's no need to call me a tosser, Ed. Well, I think you are, because you've lied to me and you've dropped me in it as well. How have I dropped you in it? You'll see what you went, Marco, start smiling that they got fed. And if not, hopefully I'll get sacked and then you won't have to put up with me any longer, will you? 
Uh, in 2009 interview, Edmondson stated he was finally referring to himself as Adrian rather than his established nickname Aid as he felt it was time to grow up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Edmondson has directed pop videos for Fiesta in 1988 by the Pogues, uh, Prime Mover by Zodiac Mind Warp, Like uh, the Weather by 10,000 Maniacs, Please Help the Cause Against Loneliness by Sandy Shaw, and Hourglass by The Squeeze. Uh, he's a huge fan of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, and Edmondson performed both vocals with them as part of their 2006 Reformation and Countryside Tour on contributed vocals and writing for their 2007 album, Pour Le Amour de Chien, together with Martin Alcock, Andy Nunn, and Troy Donnelly. Edmondson founded the band The Bad Shepherds in 2008, performing punk and new wave classics on traditional instruments. The band have released two albums and toured in 2009, playing such places as the Tobridge Village Pump Festival and also the Great British Beer Festival, where I was this year. And we left early, and they, they so missed them. <laughs> uh, now, before we uh, crack on with uh, what they've done together, we're going to play an MP3 for Mr. Brian Dunn. All right, Meds and Kel, it's Brian. I just wanted to uh, drop you a quick little uh, audio file. I understand this coming podcast, you will be covering The Young Ones, to which I'll, I only have one thing to say. I am very, very sober and very, very bored. I always love Vivian. He was the best. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks for that, MP3 boy. Uh, very nice to hear off you again. A regular contributor to Waffle on Cal. And he's much, much appreciated because... It, our egos need to be curtailed. <laughs> Indeed. We also have an email to read out from Patrick Stratford, who also does the Last of the Summer Wine podcast. Hi, guys. Nice to see that you are doing a waffle on about Rick Mail and Adrian Edmondson. My first experience of seeing these two was a videotape of The Young Ones my dad had, and since then, The Young Ones has become one of my favourite sitcoms. While some of the gags and references are dated, it does not take away the enjoyment value from the show, and the energy that comes from Rick and Aid really makes the show for me. I have also checked out their work on the Comic Strip Presents, and while some of the episodes the series are better than others, my favourite is Mr Jolly Lives Next Door. Seeing Rick and Aid trying to kill Nicholas Parsons is nothing short of hilarious, and also features late greats in the form of Peter Cook and Gerard Kelly. I also love their work on Bottom, but I think their best performances are in the live shows. As you can sense the magic, sorry, the magic energy that comes from the two of them. Whilst they don't seem to be planning on working together again soon, we can enjoy their work they've made since the early 80s, possibly with the exception of Guesthouse Paradiso. Thanks once again, and keep up the sterling work, Patrick. P.S. Despite the long delay, episode two of the Last of Summer One podcast uh. will be eventually released. So thank you for that, Patrick. Uh, yeah, really pretty, pretty cool comments. I'd say that is really the truth. That's what all Rick and I fans would probably agree with everything he said there, wouldn't they? Oh, definitely. With, definitely. It, with, with the exception of the, li- the live show being better than the series of Button. Uh, I'd say the first live show. Uh, yeah, the, the first we'll, one. We'll, we'll talk about that when we, <laughs> we get to it because me and you have been to every single tour, haven't we? <laughs> yes. To our detriment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, now they first got together under the name 20th Century Coyote, which later became the Dangerous Brothers. I really remember the Dangerous Brothers. It was on Friday Night Live, wasn't it? Yeah, and you can get a videotape of it. Oh, you can? Mm-hmm. Not, not DVD, though. Uh, I should point out, Whoops Apocalypse is actually available on DVD as well, So, because I found that out the other day. So this led to Edmonton and Mail uh, teaming up at the Comedy Store with Compare Alexis Sale and upcoming comedians Nigel Planer, Peter Richardson, French and Saunders, Arnold Brown, Arnold Brown, and Pete Richens, they set up the comic strip in the Raymond Revenue Bar. 
Channel 4 offered the comic strip group six short films, which became The Comic Strip Presents. This debuted on the 2nd of November 1982 with Five Go Mad in Dorset. This, of course, did not star Mick Mayo. Uh, the first of these that did feature the duo was War, and have appeared in 19 comic relief films, comic relief, comic strip films. Uh, together, Everton has appeared in Neon, all of them. Uh, our personal favourites, and, and tell me if this is uh, not true, because uh, I wrote this obviously we've not been here. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jolly Live Next Door. It's a classic. It's a classic. It is a classic. One for Nicholas Parsons. Uh, Stefan Sornak, that's a nod to you. Uh, Fistful of Traveller's Checks. Uh, it's, got, got, it's got some just fantastic lines in it, that, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Some of them you can't really say because they're a bit offensive. Well, no, there's the one where they're doing the, they're doing the accent in, in, uh, as American, and then the one says, have we started? Of course we have now, you wanker. And the classic line of, uh, you got the toilet paper, you want toilet paper, you go hotel gay boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is Hotel Bastardos. How come there's no soft toilet paper? It's Hotel Bastardos. No soft toilet paper, Hotel Bastardos. You want a soft toilet paper? You go to Hotel Gay Boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, eat the rich, uh, which I actually quite like, and the two, which um, I think is you're gonna, you know what I'm going to say. There's no need to say, is it? Because it, it's it's bad news, isn't it? It is bad news too, and more bad news. And come on, I'm going to play "Drink Till I Die." Yeah. 
Oh, stop, it's ghastly. No, that's, um, to be fair, that is brilliant. So I think we need to talk a little bit about, about bad news. Uh, because I don't think there's been a, we've watched the comedy more than that. As, as uh, you and our friends growing up. Oh, yeah, we've had a shadow of a day. And I, the funny thing is, I don't own it on, on DVD purely for the fact that I've seen it that many times. I mean, I, I do, the thing is, now talking about it, I really then, yeah. want to go and watch it. And what always makes, makes me laugh on that, um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, purely because of the fact that it's, uh, I, I heard his voice on um, uh, Stephen Sornock's podcast um, with, about Captain Kremlin, and it's uh, Tommy Vance. Uh, does the later records of it, and uh, it's with Tommy Vance's on the stage going, they took on the Nottingham Constabulary, and they lost. <laughs> uh, now, bad news is, uh, I mean, I, uh, people often compare it to Spinal Tap, do, don't do they? Do you remember when we first started this, we are going to do bad news versus Spinal Tap? Bad news Tap, versus Spinal Tap, yeah. I think that they're very different, apart from the obvious thing that it's about. I yeah. think the humour's very different, isn't it? It's very different. Like, I think it's Spinal Tap, the humour's very knowing, isn't it? And they're successful. Yeah, and, and they take themselves quite seriously. As in this, they really are what... Well, it's like a pop, it is like a proper band, that a crap. Yeah. <laughs> now, as I say, the other band, uh, the members are Vim Fuego, a.k.a. Alan McCarth, played by uh, Adrian Edmondson. He's vocals on the guitars. Dan Dennis... Rhythm guitar played by Nigel Planer, who is brilliant. I fucking hate Barry Manilow. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Grigson on the bass, played by Rick Mail, and Spider Reb, uh, Webb on drums, played by Peter Richardson. And they all play their own instruments. And actually, Peter Richardson is a pretty good drummer. Yeah, the only thing is, like, there is a thing to that, I'd say. There is a thing that on the album, they did have a lot of help. Yeah, in the guise of Brian May. Brian May, yeah, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I know they, they all do play the, and obviously Dajan Emerson's in his own band, and the bass lines are. Pretty... They played Donington, didn't they? Well, yeah, uh, their most memorable appearance was playing the Monsters of Rock Festival, Castle Donington, in 1986. This is, of course, on the DVD. Their performance was the centrepiece of the second follow up current strip episode, More Bad News, broadcast again on Channel 4 in 1988. Uh, a feature of the band's on stage antics that day, omitted from the final cut, was an interesting method of coping with the crowd's plastic and often urine filled bottle barrage. We then, which was often uh, traditionally somewhat awkward, welcome for bands to play at Donington Festival. Before the performance began uh, proper, the band spent time just running around on stage, dodging missiles, with Mayo using his guitar as a bat in an attempt to return some. They also played a low-key London show at the Marquee Club with the guest appearances by Brian May and... Jeff Beck. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's very bad. Uh, our special song at the end of this podcast, after the promos, will be Bad News Doing Warriors yeah. of Genghis Khan. There, there was, the, it was, you know, we, we we used to watch it nearly every Saturday before we went out, didn't we? Yeah, oh yeah, we've had a shadow of a day. Uh, and, yeah, I'm going to have to go and buy it now. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it is. And, you know, there's probably a lot of, uh, you know, anyone in Britain who's will know about it. But I think oh, people yeah. in the States might not know about that. And if you want a, a, a snapshot of heavy metal in the 80s, yeah, it's, because... it's absolutely brilliant. Well, you've got you've got uh, in- integrated interviews with the likes of Scorpion, Lemmy, yeah, uh, Def Leppard. Um, who else is there? Uh, there's some other really crap ones. Well, Scorpion. I see. Crap, I see on there. 
Ozzy, yeah. Ozzy before his strange face phase. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, now, at the time the comic strip presents was negotiated, the BBC took an interest in The Young Ones, a sitcom written by male and then-girlfriend Lise Mayer. In the same anarchic vein as the comic strip, Ben Elton joined the writers. The series was commissioned and first broadcast in 1982. So, you may as well play the theme tune to The Young Ones. Once in every lifetime Rigmail played Rick, a pompous sociology student, and a Cliff Richard devotee. Uh, now, despite the sitcom format, Mal maintained his double act with Edmonton, who starred as the uh, violent punk Vivian, who, of course, was studying... He was a doctor, wasn't he? The he surgeon. Was doctor. Sort of surgeon. He was, well, he was studying to become a, me- uh, a doctor, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Nigel Planer played the hippie Neil, and Christopher Ryan played Mike the Cool Guy. Now, originally, this was supposed to have been to Peter Richardson, but he couldn't do it because of contract with And you can just tell, can't you? Because it's yeah. that thing again, you know, you're going to, it's, you know, I call it the, the Beatles of British comedy, the most influential comedy in our lifetime, that is. Mm. And even though it's got a really weak character in it, Oh yeah, yeah. My, and we've actually said that Mike is the, is the the weakest character, but um, you also get additional material uh, uh, written by Alexi Sale, who was. Uh, he's amazing, isn't he? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it was often that these are he he hear his song Doctor Martin Boots and uh, tell the song. There was a music in it as well, wasn't it? I'd call everything was oh, well, about it, wasn't it? Yeah, I think mad- madness, madness, yeah. and Motorhead. Oh, but yeah, I mean, uh, there was loads of bands who turned up there who were really big in the early 80s. I think Madness appeared twice, I think. I'm sure they did, yeah, because they did. Did, did uh, Dexys turn up in it as well? Yeah, Dexys. I think there's a Style Council as well, I think, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, in 1986, after The Young Ones, Mayle joined with Plain Emerson and Alton to start in Filthy Rich and Cat Flappers, Richie Rich, in what was billed as a follow-up to The Young Ones. Uh, I'm not going to play the theme tune to Filthy Rich and Cat Flappers, one, because it's rubbish, and two, because we don't automatically um, like it, really, do we? But, like I said, I watched it about a couple of years back, and it, 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 it you know, it's trying to outdo the young ones, but the, the young ones was a period of time when it worked perfectly for it. A couple of years on, like that was, it, you'd saw it, and there was other mm. stuff then. You had not, non, not, you know, not the nine o'clock news coming along, and Blackadder coming along then, didn't you? And that was a bit cleverer, and that was still doing the same old thing. What's brilliant about the young ones is it's 12 episodes, isn't it? Yes. And that's yeah. what's brilliant about it, isn't it? It didn't go on, didn't outstay its welcome. No, and it ended really well as well with the yeah, death of the... ended, didn't it? Properly ended. Yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't want it to have a, a sequel to it at all. I know loads of work. people have talked about, oh, they want them to get back together as, why can't they have a school reunion? But I, I don't think that would work, would it? No, and I don't think Nigel Planner would want to do it anyway, to be fair. Uh, he'd be t- I, I think they're all a bit too old for it as well now. I mean, yeah. If that was going to happen, that would have happened when they were maybe 40 or something. Oh, definitely. Uh, now, in 1987, Mail and co-star uh, Adrian Emerson did a ITV sitcom called Hardwick House, and due to adverse reaction of the press and viewers, ITV withdrew the series after only two episodes. Uh, the same year, Mail had a number one hit with Living Doll uh, by uh, the young ones. Now, I don't know whether to play that or not. 
Well, yeah, the thing is, that was the last time they were together as the young ones, were they? Yeah, okay, if I can find it, then I will put it on. If not, then you'll be just going to carry on talking. Hey, kids, it doesn't matter what you are. Punks, skins, rastas, mod, rockers, Keith Tegrin even, everybody everywhere, stop smoking and pay attention to me. Because if you're a wild-eyed loner at the gates of oblivion, then hitch a ride with us. Because we're riding on the last freedom moped out of nowhere, and we haven't even told our parents what time we're coming home. So, pull on your dancing trousers and get down to the total and utter king of rock and roll, Cliff Richard! Got myself a crying dog and a sleeping walk and a living dog. Got to do my best to please her just cause she's a living dog. Got a ruling eye and that is why she satisfies my soul. I got the one and only talking, talking, living dog. Completely ready when you are, Shaky! Does anybody know where the toilets are? Mike? Look, does all this money really have to go to charity? That's my fault. Hi, Cliff, it's me. Who are you? Oh, great joke, Your Majesty. Got myself a crying dog and sleeping, walking, living dog. Got to do my best to please her just cause she's a living dog.
Right, thanks, Cliff. Right, listen, kids. If you don't buy this record, then you're all utter, 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 utter. Uh, in 1991, Edmonton and Mal co-starred in the West End production of Beckett's Waiting for Godot at the Queen's Theatre. Here they came up with the idea of Bottom, which they said was a crude cousin to Waiting for Godot. Uh, Bottom was commissioned by the BBC and three series were shown between 1991 and 1995. Mal starred as Richie Rich Richard alongside Edmonton's Eddie Elizabeth Hitler. Yeah. Um, we might as well play the opening theme tune to that now. We won't be playing any comments. Your uh, comments. We won't be playing any clips um, of any of the series I do because a lot of their stuff is visual gags, isn't it? It's especially that because I, 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 uh, I always remember what Jennifer Saunders said that them two together was like Wiley Coyote, mm. and and that is what them two together. It was it was very very physical, very kinetic uh, comedy, wasn't it? Yeah. Wham bam, fall over, looks on Eddie's face. Disgust mm-hmm. on Richie Rick's face. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't renowned for its witty script, was it? No, not really. I mean, there's some classic lines in it, but it, it is wasn't all. Blackadder, was it? It wasn't. No, no. And when you look at it, really, and you think maybe Vic and Bob got some of their ideas of like frying pan humour from Rick and Maggie. Still Nelson. fantastic, and we, you know, me, you and our friend Kev were absolutely. Loved it at the time, didn't we? Well, yeah. I mean, now in 1993, during the second series, Marlon Emerson decided to take the show on stage and they did a national tour called Bottom Live. This was a huge commercial success, filling large venues. Now, uh, I remember that me and you, your mum got us tickets because she was working at the Symphony Hall in Birmingham at the time. Right hand side of the stage, weren't we? Right hand side, at the front. I really remember that, yeah. If you remember, we got hit in the face by Rick Marl's teeth. Yeah, we were just really, really excited, weren't we? Football, yeah, we were that close yeah, to like, you know, Rick Marl and Andrew Jeminson. And Kev was really upset because he didn't. He did, we, we only had two tickets, didn't we? And me and you went. But I mean, the set was exactly what it is on the TV. Uh, his teeth, by the way, were actually um, Tic Tacs. Tic Tacs. <laughs> but he get, I remember he was staring at us quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, I you know, nervous, he, he wasn't just us, but I mean, the, the in jokes, which of course spoiled it for us because when we saw the video, it was the same in jokes as every, uh, as every, but there you go, that's that stage here. Um, four additional stage shows were embarked upon in 1995, 97, 2001, and 2003. So there's been five shows altogether, and as I say, we've seen all of them. And like they progressively got crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. And some of them were shockingly bad, weren't they? Them last mm. two we went to were shockingly bad. Well, one, we, was, we were so drunk for it, I don't remember any of it. Uh, no, that was that Hooligans Island, wasn't it? Oh, God, it was terrible. Oh, my God. It's this thing, isn't it? You take people out of their surroundings and it doesn't work, does it? No, the, I mean... The first one, meds are in the flat, weren't they? And that was all you needed. And also, as well, I think venues is really important. The first one we saw was in the Symphony Hall, which I think I do still maintain to this day is a fantastic place for stage shows, for comedy gigs, uh, and all this. But the one we saw at the NIA 
was atrocious and I found that I I mean I think I think we've both seen uh, League of Gentlemen there we saw um, oh. we saw Ricky Gervais we've seen Little Britain which was shit uh, all at the NIA and it does not no. work as a it venue does, no because the thing is if, you, if you're right at the front it's okay if you're anywhere mm. near the back the sound you hear people laughing before you hear the bloody joke yeah, and you end up just watching a screen, and you think to yourself, I might as well just bought the DVD. Yeah, no, I, but it's this country at the moment, they love coining it in, don't they, with comedy shows. Mm, yeah, I mean, uh, Michael McIntyre was the one who, who I think really has kickstarted all that, and I, I, I refuse to... No, I refuse to jump on the band. No. Yeah, I, I ref- I'm not jumping on this bandwagon of slagging off Michael McIntyre. It's funny, frankly, it's funny that yeah. he, he wouldn't be that big if he wasn't funny. Yeah, I, I do think he's funny, and, uh, and I mean, no, I, it's, it's not really my sense of humour, but I have laughed, and if I laugh, it means it works. It's now, jealousy, it's jealousy. It, it is jealousy, and it's absolutely, it's, it's pathetic, I mean, and also, a quick nod, you know who um, helped raise him? No, I was uh, Kenny Everett, weren't it? Kenny, Kenny Everett. Who so, was, you I mean, know, a really, you know, brilliant person, Kenny Everett. Oh, exactly, exactly, yeah, and uh, so... You know, belt up if you keep slagging off uh, Michael McIntyre, because let's face it, if you could sell out a crowd like that, I mean, that's the thing. I can also see the point why, you know, it's a bit like we moan about footballers being paid ridiculous wages. If somebody offered me £75,000 a week, of course I'm going to take it. You know, come on. It's just, as you say, I think you hit it on the head there. It is just, it's just pure jealousy. Most of these comedians have been banging around the same small venue for 20 years. He did it for a few weeks. Yeah. He didn't know if you actually, because I was on an interview with him, he said he'd been working on Steve for six or seven years. Mm. And I think actually the first person to really break out into uh, arena, so in England, obviously Steve Martin was playing huge wins like that, and, but in England really it was probably Lee Evans. And Billy Connolly. But look how much work Lee Evans had to do. And look how much work. And Lee Evans played uh, the little theatre here, my art house cinema, not long ago. <laughs> um, now, anyway, let's get on to Guest House Parody. So this was released in 1999. The film is semi officially based on their comedy TV series Bottom. Um, Sometimes the DVD covers do actually refer to it as Bottom the Movie. Uh, the key difference is, though, is that their names are slightly changed. Uh, in Bottom, uh, Richie Richard is now known as Richard, apologies to people in America, because I know this is quite an offensive word, uh, is Richard Twat, although he regularly and angrily insists on the pronunciation Thwaite. Yeah, yeah. uh, Edmondson's character changes from Edward Elizabeth Hitler in the TV show to Edward Elizabeth Nadingi Gambaba. Uh, just because the show is shitty writing uh, the film was made at Ealing Studios and on location at the Isle of Wight Simon Pegg makes his feature film debut in this film along with a young Vincent Cazell ah, bloody yeah. hell there you go uh, now he gets blown out of the window by a load of, gro- uh, of green vomit <laughs> no the ending is absolutely terrible isn't it it is terrible I'm yeah. excited me you and Kev were to go see that bit there is, there is that brilliant clip in it which I know that me you and Kev yeah, were no, there's one good bit with, with the booze isn't there yeah where he goes, uh, which he, uh, he goes I've gone all numb you lucky bastard <laughs> yeah but that that is it isn't it that is it that, that is it um, now I, I don't think I've got it here on the script but I remember a TV series they did I think it was early 90s late 80s which was set in a house where there was all like it was like an aristocrat house with Jennifer Saunders in it and um, they all played different characters and for some reason I've got the, the song to you uh, dream 
dream, dream, dream. And for some reason, I remember Adrian Emerson looking dreamy about something. Oh, I can't, I can't find it anywhere, but it's locked in my head. So if anyone remembers what that is, uh, please do tell us. Now, a full series of Bottom was was actually written, but not commissioned by the BBC. Uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know. So um, there you go. So we, as I said, we can't have clips because it's just um, just doesn't work. Uh, as we mentioned earlier on, um, uh, on March of two thousand and eleven, uh, Mal appeared on Let's Dance for Comic Relief. Uh, when he came on stage to attack Adrian Emerson with a frying pan. That's the first time they've worked together in eight years. And since then, they have turned around and said that they are planning on writing something new. Yeah, all right, uh, about that, yeah. yeah. And apparently this is the characters of Bottom in an old people's home. It's been talked about for a lot. It would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, because I think they were going to call it home, weren't they? It was going to have... Uh, Ronnie Corbett in it as well. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that will, hopefully that will come about, and uh, we'll we'll see a new a new venture them. So I mean that's everything to, uh, that they've done so far. Um, what's your your standout um, programs that they've done? Well, if I, that's a good question. Then. I always think if you had to watch one Aiden and Aiden and Rick thing now in the next hour, what do you see? Me, it would be more bad news. Uh, yes, I, I was going to say because the the one where uh, Vic's working in the bank. That, uh, you know, there ain't many comedies meds where the second one is far superior, and that's saying to me because the first one's brilliant. But mm. that just had Rick Mayo in his. I don't know. I think he was his pump then, weren't he? Oh, he was just so good at that role. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think that's the one that I'd recommend to anybody who wanted to, to watch uh, Rick Mayer and Adrian's run it at their best. So seek out the comic strip presents more bad news. Now, Cal, that's the end of the episode. We have, uh, obviously you're in Mexico at the moment. Um, so yeah, we I knew, am. We knew, I'm we drinking tequila and being shot at with an AK-47. Yeah, so of course in the next episode, if uh, you're replaced again by Peter Carmen, it means you're dead. Uh, let's just touch wood that uh, that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you come back, uh, we're going on a little trip, aren't we? We're going on a we are going on a road trip. Well, not road trips. We're going to our I'd call it meant our second home in England, really, wouldn't it? I would, yeah, indeed. We spent many a many a year being drunk in Nottingham. We are going to a podcasters meetup, uh, and also uh, a couple of people from. Treks in sci-fi so hopefully um we'll be meeting up with uh daniel vieira from the out of range podcast there's uh anthony from the uh scuttercast and darren yeah, his co co-writer from there and uh we've all been well the here goes nothing guys are going there and dan hughes from uh, lee and dan's midnight movie club and a couple of other people hopefully um and that's happening at the end of october so if you end up being around october and you feel like joining us uh you probably find us drunk somewhere in the gutter uh and maybe just maybe something will be recorded on an iphone uh and probably not put out but maybe put out as a christmas special in the what people with us. what no vocals I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> Not one of those, I'll be a married man then. <laughs> well, yeah, that didn't stop you on the stag do, but let's not go there, eh? Mr. Uh, <laughs> Top Off in a nightclub. <laughs> oh, that, that is true. And it's sort of a uh, shocking sight in a club, but I'm not going to talk about that. It's a special no, but it, club, and we're not, we can't talk about it. No, but your whistle really summed it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I have no idea what the next uh, the next podcast is going to be. Uh, I'm going to wait until you come back from uh, from your honeymoon. And uh, But we will say that the Christmas episode, which we're going to record uh, at the beginning of December, 
He's going to be Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Yeah, so, we're going to get round to doing it, haven't we? Oh, definitely. So if you feel like commentating on that, uh, please do send us an email uh, on mp3 to waffleonpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, so just t- type in Waffle on Podcast. Uh, unfortunately, uh, if you invite to join me and Cal have to approve you, approve you, which of course we will do. And uh, oh, and uh, just a quick nod out to those uh, to the two lads who wrote on uh, Facebook with the picture of me and you saying that we look like the worst boy band in the world. Oh, Thank right. you for that. <laughs> true. Oh, true. <laughs> uh, so that's the end of uh, this podcast. Please do stay and listen to these couple of promos that we're going to play, and afterwards you will get the brilliant bad news song "Warriors of Genghis Khan." Kel, thanks for joining me as usual. Thank you very much. Okay, see you all soon. Bye-bye. Big Brother? No. Survivor? No. The Office? Angela, then what do we talk about? Gaming, sci-fi, fantasy, and geek stuff. Really? Yes. Cool. (laughs) I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And you need to listen to the Anomaly Podcast, where female and fandom converge. Find us online at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Music by Kevin McLeod. Hello, I'm Dan and this is Lee. Hello. And together we are Lee and Dan's Midnight Movie Club. You see, every week we come together and we review classic popcorn movies of the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> For example, so far we've reviewed Teen Wolf. Which was great. Teen Wolf 2. Which was awful. The Last Starfighter. Which was great. Cannonball Run. Awful. I'm in darkness. Awesome. <laughs> Police Academy, Mission to Moscow. Not so awesome. Worst film in the history of mankind. And Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The second worst film in the history of mankind. So if you want to hear more of our highly intelligent, uh, incisive film critique, come over to midmoclub.com. That's M-I-D-M-O club.com. And check out our podcast. Or you could just type Midnight Movie Club into iTunes if you have iTunes. Yes. If you don't have it, it'll be harder. That's right. So we'll hope we'll uh, you'll listen to us soon. Uh, to be fair, though, I quite like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, well you're an idiot. It's here. The follow-up release to my Stargazer music project, M.W. Orbit. The short story and musical journey of an artificially intelligent probe launched by NASA to explore the Milky Way galaxy. Greetings. I am M.W. Orbit from the planet Earth. Is there anyone there? To purchase your copy of M.W. Orbit, head on over to mw-orbit.com. To listen to samples, download your free bonus song, and purchase your digital instant download from CD Baby.
exploration in not only the universe, but in human emotion and discovery from the perspective of a small robot probe named MW Orbit. The short story and musical journey. Get your copy today at mw-orbit.com. Shooting! 